I'm happy to be here today. I'm happy that I get to talk to you a little bit more about money. Um, it's a subject that, you know what, I can tell you that uh, you don't get a lot of out of boys afterwards, because a lot of people are pretty convicted. A lot of people are thinking, wow, maybe that is more me. And you know, the, the point with that is it's not, that God never like tries to show you things about yourself so that you can feel horrible about yourself. The one thing that God wants you to do is he wants you to feel something that maybe makes you change and feel more freedom. So that's really what God's about. And you know, that's the reason why we wanted to teach you this. You know, we're in this money series, money talks, and what it is, it's those things that we say about our money, and it's the things that our money says about us. Well, money is kind of like a little tattletale. What it does is it runs around and it points at us and it points at your money. It kind of tells on us a little bit. It kind of shows some different things about us that maybe we have going on in our lives. And I told you last week that the Bible actually has about 2,000, some people say 2,300 and some, verses that are really about money and possessions. So God really knew that this is going to be a problem. You know, there's, there's lesser about faith and there's lesser about prayer and those things that are in the Bible. God knew that money was going to be such a hold on people. He knew that it was going to be one of those things that we had to have in perspective, that we had to have really slayed in our life to be able to be successful. He knew that if we didn't get money right, that what could happen is it could lead us away from him. So he can get hold of us, and then we don't come closer to him. So this is why we at Acts decided we wanted to teach you this series. And, and one of the things you'll notice if you've been at Acts for any length of time is that we try to teach a money series every year. And the reason why is exactly what I said. It's because God knew that money was going to have a great hold on the people, even people who say that they follow after him, that it could so easily lead you astray. So this is the reason why we want to teach you about that. This is the reason we want to tell you about money talks and, and what it's actually saying about you and your finances. This is the reason why we're doing this three-week um, session. This is also the reason why we're uh, trying to explain to you that there's a book that has some great references if you want to buy it. It's very, um, we don't make any money from our resource area. It's just the, what we buy them for is what we sell them for. Um, but it's a really good reference book if you've always kind of wondered about money and you know, could it be something that maybe you struggle with? Maybe it's not just a struggle, maybe just to know. And it's such a quick read. It's honestly like two hours worth of time to read, and it's so valuable. I definitely learned a lot from that book, even though I've been a follower for like 24 years now. I, or maybe longer, I don't know. A little bit longer, I forget. So, uh, you know, the thing is, also the reason why we want to teach a class. We know not everybody can go to uh, Dave Ramsey's financial piece that we put on. We know not everybody can give up, get up the nine weeks <clears throat> of every week to go to that class. So what we're going to do is we're going to offer to you a one-night class, and it's just from 6.30 to 8.30. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, the smoke always seems like this gets to me. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's all in my head. But from 6.30 to 8.30, we're going to offer a one-night class that really is just going to talk a little bit about money. It's going to be talking about maybe like your hopes, your dreams, your plans, your budget, you know, maybe those things that we do, maybe those things that we need to get straight, maybe some of the things that we can get some um, ideas on how to handle and slay the debt in our life. <clears throat> so hopefully you are interested in that. You can go back and you can join up at guest services and sign up. We'd love to have you there. But like I said, it's important for us to get a hold of our money because our money can get a hold of us. Um, I think that if you can get a hold of your thought on money and how money can be such a trap, that you'll be way ahead of the game. It's definitely one of those things that you can get uh, caught up in and struggle with. 
Um, last week, I kind of spoke to you a little bit about how I made some really bad uh, decisions, bought some cars that I probably shouldn't have because I fell for I deserve it marketing. I fell for that thing that, you know, everybody says, it's like, you know, you're having a rough day or times are tough and you're driving something old. And it's like, I deserve to have something better. And I deserve it marketing is really something that what happens is it sidles up to our egos and it says, you deserve better. You should have more. That's what it's about. You deserve it. Well, I deserve it thinking definitely causes us to go places, buy things, do things that we obviously sincerely can't afford. But we fall for that victim, that victim mentality of thinking I deserve something. <clears throat> so today I'd like to actually talk to you about another interesting thing that we say about our money. And maybe it's one of those things that you guys have said. And maybe you're thinking, well, it's not that bad that I say this. I had somebody right after I spoke this message last night, someone come up and said that somebody, their husband had bought something and they said because they use this exact phrase. It's the, I've wanted it for a really long time. Now, how many of you guys out there have ever used that phrase when you decided you were going to purchase something? Yes. I've wanted it for a really long time. Now, I can tell you, I drove cars that were old, 76, 79, all through the car seat time and putting kids in car seats and fighting. I fell for both things kind of worked in tandem together. You know, the I deserve it marketing and also the I've wanted it for a really long time. Fell for both of those things, and I got myself in a bind and really, truly couldn't afford it. Now, next week, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you on that phrase, couldn't afford or can't afford. We're going to teach you about that a little bit. So hopefully you'll be back for next week and, and learn more about that. But somehow we have this idea in our minds that just because we've wanted something for a very long time, that it makes it all okay that we can purchase it. It's like there's something inside us like, but I've wanted it, I've pined after it, I've desired it for so long, and somehow that just erases all the dollar signs. Gets us in a bind. Well, Dave Ramsey, that I mentioned, he created and he teaches financial peace. One of the things that Dave actually tells every single person that calls into his show that asks him the question, how are you, Dave? He says the phrase, I'm better than I deserve. Now, Dave is a person who actually went through complete bankruptcy. He lost everything. He had nothing. And now he's pulled himself out of debt, and he's a multimillionaire. The other thing about Dave is that he's also a believer in Christ. He also follows after God. Now, the thing is, the reason why I mention this is because Dave going through bankruptcy and then becoming more financially sound and also becoming a believer, the thing is, you know what? We have to remember that better than I deserve, it's us. People that have gone through financial woes and have come out the other side, man, we know the decisions that we made, we are better than we deserve because we know a lot of them were made with I deserve it and I've wanted it for a long time ideas in our head. Also, if you're a follower of God, you know yourself the things that you've done, the things that you the people that you were before and how God changed you, you are treated much better than you deserve. God is so good to us. One of the things that Dave asks when he teaches these nine-week sessions is he asks this question. He says, what types of marketing really get you? What draws you in? Maybe it's billboards. 
Maybe it's magazines. Maybe it's those things when you're looking through a magazine, you see something. Or um, maybe it's television ads. Or maybe it's just the flyers that come through Home Depot or, or you know, um, Menards. Those kind of things that kind of get to you. But what kind of those things draw you in? So let me ask you, what is the things that you fall victim to? Because each one of us has something that kind of like pulls at us a little bit, you know? Um, for, you know, some of us, maybe it is really just clothes, Maybe it's purses, maybe it's shoes. Maybe you're one of those people that have lots and lots of shoes. Maybe it's just late night, you know, when you're kind of hungry but not so hungry, but then all of a sudden you see the Pizza Hut ad, and you're like, yeah. And half the time I don't even like Pizza Hut when I get it, but I'm just like, you still always want it the next time. I don't know what that is. (laughs) But you're always thinking, yeah, that's what I want. That marketing just draws you in. Maybe you're a sporting goods person. Maybe when you see a flyer from like Dick Sporting Goods or something like that, or you see the, like I said, the, our, um, what is it? Our, I can't think which the name it is, that other one by Menards right now. That they send out this flyer that's all about hunting. You know, they'll say that in the fall, they'll send out the, the flyers that all talk about all the new guns and all the new bows and all the different things. And maybe that's what draws you in. Maybe for you, it's the vacations. You know, you're watching television, you see these vacations, and you see the people lounging on the beach, and usually it's in the middle of winter, and we're always like, yeah, that's what I want. (laughs) Or they're going to these exotic places that you think, yeah, I would love to do that. You know, that's where I would love to go. Or maybe for you, it's cars. For me, it's cars, I will tell you. I am totally drawn into car commercials. I don't really know what it is about me that loves cars so much. I think what it is, is the freedom. There's something about freedom with cars. You know, the idea that you can just go and keep going. You know, road trips, I love a road trip. There's nothing better. But you know, the thing is, this, this idea that you can just go ahead and be free. A luxury car commercial, I am totally entranced by <laughs> I can tell you, I could be folding laundry, I could be vacuuming, I'm like, whoa, stop, I gotta watch this ad. I love cars. And I have to seem, seem to have very expensive taste in cars. Very expensive. I don't know what it is, but I can drive on any car dealership lot and I can look at the car and I'll say to John, oh, I saw this car, it's beautiful. We'll look it up. It's the most expensive car in the lot. John's like, again the most expensive. Now, I don't even know why I do this to myself because I'm really not even in the market to buy a car, but I just do this to myself. I don't know. I just kind of torture myself. Like, that's what I would have if I could have it kind of thing. So I actually love cars so much that what I decided one day is I thought, I'm just going to go online on BMW and I'm going to look for the car I would pick just out of curiosity, just for fun and games. I knew I wasn't going to get one, but it was just fun and games. But what I did was I went on BMW's uh, website and I picked the car that would have totally, I would have picked if I could. And it's a 650iX Coupe in cashmere metallic silver. <laughs> yes. Not just silver, guys. It's cashmere. Yes. So it's one of those things that, you know, draws you in. They, you, they use these words that just like, oh, yeah, it strokes your ego. Yeah, that's what I want. Cashmere. That's what I want. You know, and it says right on it, it says it goes from zero to 60 in 4.3 seconds. Now, there's something about that. I yell at my husband. I tell him slow down all the time, but I still want to go fast. I don't know what that is. You know, I can drive fast, but he can't drive fast. Somehow I think I have more control, which isn't true. The other day he took us on Route 71 and took those little curves. 
all through. And I was like, stop it. You're speeding. He's like, I'm going like 10 over, Dad. I said, that's too fast. You're going to kill us. But anyway, (laughs) I decided to go on this website and I started looking at these cars and I picked the car. And so what I did is I decided I'm just going to accessorize this car. I'm just going to trick it out to everything I could possibly want on this car. So what I did was I started adding this and started adding that different tires, different rims, you know, this, it's not even Bose, it's some other sound system in the car that's just amazing. So I just put everything on there. And then I figured out what my total MSRP price was. You know what it was? $111,180. That's five times what I bought my house for in 1985. (laughs) It's kind of scary. Much too much rich for my blood. It's not going to happen, obviously. And the only way you're going to buy that car is if you're a multimillionaire. I mean, even a millionaire, I don't think you should be doing it. But I mean, a multimillionaire, yes, maybe so. But they know that you can't afford it. They know that you can't afford that car, so what they do is instead they dangle this carrot in front of you that says, well, you don't have to buy it. You can lease it. You lease this car, it's just $1,069 a month, that's all. (laughs) I'll take two. (laughs) Somehow we cannot understand the fact that we cannot afford those things. Now, I can't afford that car, no doubt about it. I can't even afford lesser cars. I made the bad decision last year when I went to visit my daughter. I needed to rent a car, and they gave me a 2016 Tahoe. I loved that Tahoe. Loved it. It was amazing. Even my granddaughter, who was like four at the time, she said to me, can we go in your good car? Because we were traveling there. So she even has, I think I kind of passed it down to her, a little bit of this love for vehicles. But, you know, I drove this Tahoe, and I said to John, oh, I'll tell you, I drove this Tahoe. It was amazing. So I went back and looked at what they cost, sixty dollars to $70,000. I'm like, not buying a Tahoe. Not going to happen. But, you know, I love cars, and I've always wanted a really nice luxury car, something that's super, super fancy. I love them. I don't know what it is about them, but it just totally draws me in with that marketing. Well, how many of you guys right now can say that you've wanted something for a very long time? You know right now if you can think what you would want and you've wanted for a really, really long time but haven't gotten. Like I said, we've all used that reasoning in the past, maybe to somehow allow it in our own hearts that we can get something. But there's a big difference from wanting something for a really, really long time and actually doing something about it and saving for something for a really, really long time. There's a difference there. Now, obviously, I can tell you, what I have saved for my 650, nothing. I have nothing saved, zero. There's no dollars saved for that car. It's not going to happen. Obviously, there's other things that have always taken priority, and I'm not actually saving for that car. What I'm saving for is a kitchen. You know, I have to get a kitchen. We have no kitchen right now. We're actually living in a different house, so I have to pay for a kitchen. Well, Even though I'd love to have that car, I can see that that freedom, I would have to keep going because there would be nothing at home that I could ever live in, so it wouldn't work. But there's a difference between wanting something for a long time or saving for something for a long time because you can't confuse the two, but we do. We try to confuse the two in our own minds. So the thing is, if you're actually saving for something, what you're doing is you're denying yourself other things, right? You say, I can't get this because I'm saving for that. 
You know, I can't have the next thing I want. I have to stop and say, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm really prioritizing what I have here instead. You scrimp. There's some things that you're not going to go do. There's some things that you're not going to buy just because you know that you're saving for something. You have to wait until you get all the money together and then you can go buy something. That's what it's all about. You know, the, tr- the problem with us is we want what we want when we want it. But the point that we have to understand with, with our finances is we can't always get what we want. I think there's a song in there somewhere. You can't always get what you want, okay? But Dave Ramsey actually says it best. He says, we live like no one else today so that we can live and give like no one else later. See, sometimes we have to really just pull back. We have to throttle down. We can't always get what we want when we want it just because we wanted it. So what that is is actually when we can actually master that, when we can master the fact that we can't always just get what we want just because we've always wanted it, what we do is we actually master the idea that we can delay something. What that is is delayed gratification. And delayed gratification is actually a sign of maturity. It's something that actually is a sign that you grew up that you're no longer a child stamping your feet and throwing a tamper and temper tantrum and saying, I want it. I want it. That's what I want. I've wanted it for a long time, so I'm going to get it. But when you can delay gratification, when you can save for something, you can wait for something, it's a sign that you've grown up. It's a sign that you've matured. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment? Any of you guys out there? A couple people. You know, it's, it was a study that was actually done in the 60s and 70s, and it was done on four-year-olds. And what they did was they brought these four-year-olds into this study group, and they told them, they said, here's a marshmallow. They said, you know, anytime you want to eat it, I'm going to leave the room, the experimenter's going to leave the room. Anytime you want to eat it, just go ahead, ring the bell, I'll come in, and you can eat the marshmallow. But if you wait... But if you wait until 15 minutes has gone up, until the experimenter comes back, you not just get one marshmallow, but you get two marshmallows, okay? Now, what's interesting about this is what they were trying to explain was small reward now or a bigger reward later, right? Okay, so some of the kids broke down immediately. They're like, I got to have the marshmallow. They ate the marshmallow really quick. But some other was what they were doing is they were actually trying to kind of soothe themselves. They were looking at the marshmallow, pretending like it was something else, you know, that it was something yucky that they wouldn't want to eat. Some of them actually even took that marshmallow and they put it up on the table and they went underneath the table and they took it out of their eyesight because it was just killing them to see it. Some others were just, you know, playing games, reciting songs, doing all those different things to stop them. We can learn a lot from those four-year-olds, can't we? Delayed gratification. What is it that stops you sometimes? How do you function? How do you stop yourself from wanting something right now? But the interesting thing about was that study, they found out that this delayed gratification, this, this way that they could actually stop themselves from getting what they wanted right then, it actually followed them throughout their lives. They went back, since this study was done in the 60s and 70s, they went back and they would follow these people. And they found out that these teenagers, when they went back and looked, they found out that these persons that could delay the fact of getting the, eating the marshmallow right away, that they actually had higher SAT scores. That they actually had social competence and self-assuredness, that they had self-worth. They were related by their parents to to be more mature. 
to cope with stress better, to more likely to plan ahead and more likely to use reason when faced with a situation. Isn't that interesting? To think that we can delay gratification and actually it could be something that we could train inside of ourselves and that we could take that farther along and be more successful in life. Now, a lot of times you might be sitting there thinking, okay, this whole delayed gratification, this whole idea of this, how does this even relate to God? It's great. It's an interesting study, you know. But what does it have to do with God? You might be confused about that. But what that actually says is it's a person's ability to delay gratification that relates to other skills in life, such as patience, willpower, impulse control, and self-control. Self-control is huge in God's eyes. It's something for us to understand and to be aware of. Mastering self-control is so pivotal in your relationship of God. And the point of self-control is it's, it's actually something that you can get, you can have. It's attainable. It's something that you can receive from God. We can actually get it from him because he says once we accept Jesus as a Savior and he gives to us the Holy Spirit, it's something that we can receive from him. He tells us in Galatians 5, through 26, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Self-control is so important in your relationship with God. It truly is. Self-control will determine a lot of times the path you're going to go after following God. You know, it's, it's self-control. When you think about it in our finances, it's going to be self-control that's going to stop you really from buying a car that would cause you to go into the poorhouse, that are going to cause you those sleepless nights and stress and worries about paying for something. It's self-control that's going to stop you from buying a new purse when you want it and then not be able to buy groceries. It's self-control. I can delay this. I can save up for it. I can wait. It's self-control. Self-control is going to stop you from buying a timeshare, which is a horrible decision. Don't buy a timeshare. I'm telling you right now. But self-control will stop you from buying a timeshare and then not be able to pay your utilities that month because you've got this maintenance fee. Self-control will stop you from going through a drive through when you don't have the money and just go home and make a sandwich. That's what you do. I can't tell you how many times John and I go home and have peanut butter and jelly or some sandwich, sometimes popcorn. That's what we have. I'd love to go through a drive through every night, but we know that can get very expensive. It's self-control. But the idea you have to like master something inside yourself to stop yourself from time to time. But the problem is with us, we're not good with self-control. We don't do well with it. Now, I think he gives us a measure of self-control, but I don't think he necessarily, like, all of a sudden you become a believer and you get all those things. Because I can tell you, I'm still working on patience. I'm not good with it. He gives us a measure of it, but then he says, you got to work on it. Self-control is the same thing. All those things he gives us a measure, but he says, you have to seek me, and the more you seek me and the more you slay yourself, you're going to become more in tune with those things. But most of us pre-believers and believers alike, what we do is we live in this instant gratification mindset. 
Like I said, we want it, and we want it right now. Older generations, they didn't do that. There's something that we can learn from the old way of doing things. You know, they used to do a thing called layaway, right? You would go and you would find something that you loved, that you desired to purchase. But what would you would do every day is you'd go, you know, weekly, whatever you did your shopping, and you would go and you'd put some money down. And you'd put it down until you could finally take it home, when you finally paid for it in full. You took it home, it was bright, shiny, perfect condition, and you enjoyed it. But what happens is we don't do that same thing today. What we do today is we do just the opposite. We buy it, we take it home, it's bright and shiny and perfect and great condition, but by the time we're done paying for it, it's junk, it's no good. It doesn't work any longer. And then you're like, why am I paying for this garbage? It's like, well, it wasn't garbage. It was nice before. And it's backwards. It's backwards thinking. You know, they used to do those things. They used to put it on layaway. But we don't do that now. What we do is instead is we swipe or we put in that little chip in a credit card and we just get it now instead. So we start to think, you know, everybody's doing it though. Everybody lives this way. This is normal. It's normal to have debt, right? It's normal. It's okay. But it's really not okay. It really is not okay. We live in a time where debt is considered normal, and it's not okay. The one thing you have to understand right now if you sit with debt, and this might sound hurtful, but it's truthful, what it does is debt just shows that things aren't going well for you. You can't afford things. So you have debt. Things aren't going good for you. You have to get that in your mind, guys. What your money says about you when you have debt is that you're not doing well. You didn't have the money to live. So what you did, you had to borrow to live. You had to go into debt. You know, sometimes I think we have to be thankful. You know, we we look at the stuff that people drive, like I say, a nice car. They live in a nice house and we think, wow, things are going so well for them. Look what they have. But you know, the thing is, that means nothing. That means nothing. Just because you look like that on the outside doesn't mean a thing. Truthfully, some of the most happy, fulfilled people are driving old cars because they're not living with debt hanging over their heads. The house may be not perfect, but they're satisfied. And they can live not feeling so stressed out all the time. So we have this idea. We look on the outside. Remember, God looks on the inside. He sees what's causing the stress and the pain and the worry. He's not concerned whether or not you have beautiful shoes or nice clothes or a beautiful car or a nice house. He doesn't even see those things. He sees what's, what's tearing you down, what's causing you to really go through such troubles. Those things that you had to borrow, what happens is, man, you become a slave to those things, don't you? You become a slave to those things that you bought. We all know the song, right? You owe, you owe, so off to work you go. You have to pay for everything. You can't just get and then not pay. I mean, some people do, but you have to pay for that too. It's called bankruptcy. (laughs) But you know, the point is we have to get our self-control in order. We have to develop some self-control. You know, if we don't, we really are just slaves to those things that we purchased. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Slave. 
a slave. Do you guys feel that? I mean, I know when John and I were in such debt, I can tell you I felt like a slave. You know, it, it's just so difficult to wake up and think every day that I've got this hanging over my head. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to do this bill. I've got to do that. We worked really hard, and we finally became debt-free. And I can tell you I never will go back. I will never go back to that lifestyle again because it was the most horrible thing in the world to sit there and think the fact that, you know, God forbid something else would happen and we would have nothing to get us through a tough time. But we have to get self-control. We have to understand that we are nothing but slaves if we let these things own us. So as I wanted it for a long time, what happens is it kind of trumps this idea of Can I really afford it, though? Can I afford it? And like I said, it causes us to go into bondage. Because we didn't mature, because we didn't grow up, because we didn't practice delayed gratification, we don't have self-control, now what happens is our lives become compromised. We're weakened. Our house is weakened. What happens out of that is we have fights, right? We all know that when you get into debt, what happens is you go at each other. Will you purchase what? We don't have the money for that. Why did you buy that? I told you not to buy that much on, spend that much on groceries this week. I told you you couldn't afford to buy that. And all these fights happen. And what happens is your unity in your marriage is compromised. You have a weak spot. Debt. The car needs to be fixed. You don't have the money. You feel compromised. What do I do? What do I do? Debt exhausts us. It exhausts you. You get up and you're weary before you even start your day. It makes you feel like you're falling apart. Stress, money stress, man, it has a way of eating us up. It makes you feel like your life is not your own no more. You know, what happens is you go to these jobs, a lot of times you take jobs that you don't necessarily want, that you like, but you know you have to go to them because you have to pay the bills. And then not only that, but you know you have to work overtime. You've got to spend even more time there working at a job you don't like because you've already got yourself in such a bind. You know, and then what happens is because you have so much debt, you give up other things that could have given you joy because you know you can't do them. You know, the kids might want to go to a zoo. We don't have the money. We can't take you to the zoo. I know you'd love to go see that movie, kids, but I can't take you because we don't have the money. I'm going to tell you guys, got to quit saying that to your kids. That's just a little bonus for you out there. Don't bring your kids into your debt problems because they don't need to hear that. What they need to hear you do is just be their parent, not scare them to death like they have no money. But the thing is, you know, we need to exercise self-control in our lives. When we don't exercise self-control, what happens is we give up control. We give control to someone else. That MasterCard, that Discover, the Visa, man, they're masters. That's who has control in your life. You know, your kids may be saying what they want, but you know at the end of the month, they have their hand out. They want their money. You've got to pay them first. But when we practice self-control and we choose to not buy some things just because we've always wanted them for a long time, what we're doing is we're actually choosing freedom. Freedom, baby. You have freedom when you choose not to buy something. When you can walk away and practice self-control, you should honestly go, good job, good job. You practice self-control today. And you know what? It gets a little easier every single day. I can tell you that because I gave up carbs. It's getting a little easier every day. (laughs) A little bit easier. Not great, 
but easier. Today was really hard going to 4th Street Bagel and having just an egg and bacon. Not good. But I'm practicing self-control. But what happens when we practice self-control is we show God that we can grow up. We can grow up. We can mature. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, if we live like no one else today, we can live and give like no one else tomorrow. That's what it's all about. Like I said, you may live in an old house that doesn't have everything, and maybe the next door neighbor has everything. But be satisfied. Practice self-control. Don't go get something. You know, don't go get the, green, the yard all greened up just so you look like you can keep up with the neighbors and then can't pay the bill. We have to just be satisfied sometimes with what we're given when we're given it. This idea of always wanting more and so fast, just be satisfied with what God's given you, what God has blessed you with, because he has blessed you. He's blessed you with great things. If you have a spouse, thank God for the spouse. Thank God for that person. You know, the thing is you might not get along all the time, but aren't you thankful that you can lay in bed at night and know that they're right there beside you? Your kids that might drive you crazy some days. You couldn't live without them. You love them so much. Your car might be rusty, but it's getting you to where you need to go. You know, this is the things that we have to think about. We have to be thankful for the blessings that we have. And quit wanting always what the next thing is. And just because you wanted it for a long time doesn't mean a thing. You have to think about actually slaying that, that dragon. You have to actually be willing to take control and not let Discover, MasterCard, and Visa take control. The truth of the matter is we need to grow up. We really, truly need to grow up. We need to quit acting like kids. We quit, need to quit stomping our feet and throwing tantrums and saying, I've wanted it for a long time and I'm going to get it. We need to think about our budgets. Can we truly afford it? And if I buy this, is it going to stress my wife or my husband out? Is it going to cause us more problems in our, our marriage? Is it going to cause, cause me to not be able to, to gift my kids with something that they've wanted or to be able to purchase something that we really need? The problem with both those messages that I spoke, I deserve it and I want it for a long time. You can see what the big thing in there is. I. I. Itself. We got to get self off the altar. See, the problem is, if we keep self on the altar, we're going to constantly make poor decisions over and over again. We also have to get money off the altar. Debt, like I said, it leads us into slavery. It really, truly does. And what we need to do instead is we need to put Jesus on the altar. He needs to be number one. If we get ourselves off there, there's more place for him, more room for him to live. And the thing is, what's different about Jesus is he offers us freedom. It's all about freedom. The rest is all about slavery and bondage. So that's really what I have for you today. Think about your self-control. Think about the things that you come into contact with that you actually hear those words go through your head. I've wanted it for a long time, or I deserve it. We need to practice more self-control. We need to grow up. Let me pray for you. Well, Lord Jesus, we are thankful. We're thankful for the blessings you've given us, the things that you have just so richly rewarded us with, things that we truly did not deserve. Lord God, we're thankful for. I just pray, Father, that you help us, Lord, those that are following after you and that have received you and asked for forgiveness, that you've given us that token of self-control. Help us to grow it. 
Help us to challenge ourselves and to become the people that you would want us to be. Help us to not be mastered by money, but help us to have freedom that comes from you. Lord, we're thankful for what you're going to do, what what you're doing in people's lives today, and what you're going to do this week, Lord. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.